Welcome to Child Chat, a developmental conversation with me, Parker Kelman, from an idea spawned from myself and Dr. Claudia Pineda for an independent study at Cal State Fullerton. The views and opinions in this program don't express the views of Titan Radio, Titan Communications, CSUF, or any of its affiliates. Our focus is to create a conversation that touches the infinitely expanding topic of child development. Theories from Ainsworth to Vygotsky, cultural competence, parenting styles, all the way to nature versus nurture. Anything here at Child's Chat, Child Chat is fair game. Today, I have special guest Christina Cho on the show to discuss classroom management. Christina is a fifth year teacher currently working with fifth graders during the COVID-19 pandemic stay at home order. Her experience both in and out of the classroom proves the important qualities that make classroom management so important for new teachers. Please keep in mind this recording took place over an online call and may cut out due to unstable internet connection. Now it's time to get into some child chat. All right, hello. I am uh, here with Christina Cho. She's a fifth grade teacher. And she's, how long have you been teaching, Christina? This is my fifth year. Fifth year. And have you taught any other grades before? Uh, I've taught second grade and third grade, and then fifth grade is this, my first time teaching fifth grade this year. Excellent. And Christina here is a graduate from UCI, so you went through the program at UCI, correct? Yep. And how was that? Um, it was good. I think the program taught a lot about, you know, the fundamentals and theories of teaching. Um, and then it gave... I mean, I ended up working where I student taught, so the connections were great. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so, so, Christina, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, I did want to talk a little bit about classroom management inside of the classroom and also outside of the classroom with, with this whole pandemic that's happening right now. I think it's important that we also discuss what's going on. You know, how is it managing a classroom offline? And um, how can you compare that with managing a class in person? Uh, I think it's, it's pretty different. Um, I think I'm, I'm lucky and all teachers are lucky that we got to start out the year in person. Um, I feel like having the kids actually in a room together where they're seeing each other is super important. And so just building the foundations of routines and, and expectations and norms and all of that in person, they can kind of see you kind of feel out the vibes of everyone else in the room. Online, all of that just kind of gets lost. Um, you're seeing a face on a screen and just hearing voices and it's hard to really have interactions and feel the vibe of a classroom. I think that gets lost over the internet. Yeah, um, and I bet, it's, I bet it's hard. I bet it's much harder for the kids to um, get distracted. Uh, when they're, you know, at home, when they have, you know, their video games or, or toys yep. or whatever. I've and had a lot of pets show up on video calls. I've had some um, some chickens show up. I've Jeez. seen kids. Yeah, one of my kids lives on a farm. So wow. he's brought his chickens to class. <laughs> um, and it's just hard to get their attention back. And when you're in the classroom, I have them all on the carpet. So it's easy to kind of just call their name and ask them a question. But online, it's you can call their name, but you know, they don't necessarily have to respond to you. They can just and, kind of sit there and stare at you. And I guess that is a little bit of a benefit. You get to see more about their home life and you get to, you know, find out that they live on a farm and they have chickens and they get to show you their chickens. And I bet they're so excited to show their teacher. 100%. Yeah. I have, yeah. Them just shoving things in front of the camera all the time. 
That's great. So, so what are some what are some things that you um, understand about classroom management? Being a fifth year teacher, um, you know, navigating different, you know, from second graders to third graders to fifth graders. What are some of the things that you've learned in understanding classroom management? I think there's a general baseline of classroom management that stays the same no matter what you teach. I mean, if you don't set up a structured and routine classroom at the beginning of the year, your class is just going to be really hard to manage overall, no matter what grade you're in. Um, I think one thing that I've noticed that's different from second to fifth is just their ability to be independent. Um, in second grade, they ask a lot of questions and they need a lot of repetition. Um, but in fifth grade, they kind of know how to do things. So you don't necessarily have to explain routines and set up and be explicit with directions as much. Okay. Out of, out of all the grades that you have taught, what have been some of the biggest challenges that you've been trying to address? In classroom management or yes. just in general? Classroom it management, let's see. Big challenges that I've had. I think in... Sec like I taught second grade my very first year. And so okay. I think being a first year teacher in general, it's hard to know what to expect from your kids. And, you know, we're so used to doing things ourselves and not really be explicit on how we're doing it. Um, but I think the biggest thing for me was realizing that these are second graders. They are coming into the classroom for the first time. And the way that I want something done, the way that I envision it in my head, is necessarily not how they envision it. So mm -hmm. if I want it to be done, I have to be super clear with, okay, so you're gonna write your name on your paper and make sure your name is written on every single assignment. Um, I think that was a big challenge for me my first year, just realizing, okay, I can't tell a kid, okay, all of your materials go here, you turn in your stuff here, you have to really like piece it yeah. out by step. They don't just know when they step into your classroom, they have to learn that stuff of yeah. how your classroom is managed. Yep. Um, I think that was, that was difficult. I think as you get older, it's more of the attitude that comes out. Mm. And so the buy-in of having them be engaged in a classroom and really, you know, want to do well and follow the expectations and norms you have, that gets a little bit more challenging because they, they feel like they're kind of too cool for school now. Um, so you have that a little bit, which was, kind of challenging, but in a sense, I lucked out that I taught these kids when they were in second grade before. So they mm -hmm. kind of already knew me. Um, so I didn't have as much attitude, but yeah. I know as they get older, that's something that I've heard from my friends. Now, now when dealing with some, maybe some of the attitude or, or dealing with students that might be a little bit more on the difficult side, mm -hmm. have you ever, have you ever used maybe incentive boards or behavior charts or anything inside of the classroom? And if you have, then how's that worked out? Um, I've done, I've done behavior charts. Um, for me, my biggest thing, cause my go-to, I know for some teachers, their go-to is to automatically institute a behavior chart for behavior. Um, my biggest thing at the beginning of the year is setting up a, like, I really like to make sure my kids know that I know them personally. Um, and so I have a one-to-one -one conference at the beginning of every school year with every single kid within the first two days of school. Um, and so for me, mainly if I have kids that are on the more challenging side, it's, I pull them outside for a one-on-one -on -one conference, check in with me. 
Um, and most of the time, what I've realized and noticed is the kids that are acting out are acting out for a reason and not necessarily because they just want to be difficult. Um, there's some underlying issue. And I feel like you can't necessarily get them to reveal that issue with you unless they know that you care. And so for me, my biggest thing has been building that relationship and rapport with the kid first. Um, I have had instances where just a one-on-one -on -one conference isn't enough. And so they need that behavior chart. But again, it falls back to the behavior chart is really at the end of the day, it's a piece of paper to tell the kid like, yes, you've done this behavior. No, you have like, no, you didn't meet the, the, the standards for the day. Um, and so for now, the with, now with that behavior chart, is that something that you display inside of the classroom for all students? Or is that something more on a one-on-one? -on -one? I, I do it one-on-one. -on -one. I don't necessarily like to have, I know some teachers do use um, clip charts or star charts. I don't do that. I like to keep all of my um, behavior stuff more just between me and the student, not so that the whole class will start to manage. I think as you get older, the kids are a little bit more aware of students that are more challenging. And so I want to keep them as normalized in the classroom as I can and not give them that stigma of they're a difficult child. They are the ones that act out all the time. That's great. Um, yeah. I know that I know that there's just been a lot of controversy with teachers that do put up behavior charts uh, against, you know, teachers who don't put them up. Uh, I've, I've read some articles on this. Uh, Young and Smith talked about behavior charts sacrificing student dignity in favor of teacher convenience. Because I know it might be easier to display that information and say, you What? You froze on me. <laughs> it's almost degrading to that student, you know, so I, I do appreciate that you take a one-on-one -on -one approach and you hand out, handle everything on like a personal basis. This is between me and you. Let's handle this. How are we gonna? How are we gonna make this work? So that's amazing. I think that's really awesome. Um, what What do you think in as far as behavior management? What do you think works, and what do you think doesn't work? What have you tried in the past that maybe you thought was such a great idea, and it turned out not working? Or what's something that you were a little um, off against trying that turned into something really good? Um. I mean, so my, my school's pretty strict. Uh, when we first started out teaching, at least, they were pretty strict on just um, incentive systems in general. Um, they didn't necessarily want that with the ideology that the kids who are always behaving well are going to be the ones that excel in that incentive type system. Um, and the kids who don't necessarily, the ones who do have, who struggle more with behavior, they're not going to do well. Um, so I instituted like a whole scholar dollar system um, at, when I first started teaching, but that entire system just kind of proved that idea correct that, you know, my kids who were amazing students had $273 at the end of the year to spend on their raffle and my kids that struggled had five, maybe $10. Um, and so it was just kind of over time, I've kind of played around with that idea of making it more of a raffle. So that way there is a little bit more of a, a luck system involved. Because if you do have that big discrepancy of money at the end of the year, your kids are going to realize 
really quickly that, hey, I'm not that kid that's going to have $273, so why am I even going to try to earn $1? Yeah. Um, so having a raffle system where they get um, just tickets for above and beyond behavior. So the one thing that I didn't want to encourage my kids this year is getting rewarded for a behavior that's expected. Um, I think a lot of times classrooms do do that where they give out, you know, like, hey, you were doing great today in class. And so I'm going to give you five tickets. But maybe what they were doing is just kind of, you know, sitting and listening to the teacher and following directions. That's expected behavior. Um, so rewarding a kid for doing what's expected. For me, that's just not what I do. Mm. So I started this year, I tried something completely, completely new where, you know, every single kid has their own limit of what they can do normally, and then what's kind of above and beyond for them. So I had them create a list of five um, prizes that they would want to work and earn for. Um, and I said to keep in mind, you know, this is school. So what can I give you? So it's stuff like bring a stuffed animal to school, or can I wear my pajamas for a day? Um, stuff like that. And when I notice them going above and beyond their norm, I give them, I, I let them come and pick their own personal reward for, for what they were doing. So I've had a couple kids do that. And then on top of that, I send an email home to their parents saying, you know, your, your child did X, Y, and Z, and they got to earn this today. I, I bet that's great for the parents to hear and also the kid mm -hmm. to, you know, have that feeling of being proud of himself and, or herself to, you know, go home and say, mom, look, I get to wear my pajamas today at school, which is, <laughs> which, which I would love to do every day. Yeah, I've realized more often than not, your more challenging kids are the ones that get more incentives and rewards. Uh -huh. As you kind of notice easier when, it, it's easier to notice when they're doing well, because they are the ones that act out more. So we had a, I had a conversation with my whole class, actually, and one of my students who never gets in trouble, he's always listening, always participating, he just kind of mentioned, you know, Ms. Cho, it's not really fair in my mind that, you know, I'm, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to. And then this student who doesn't, but then there's one day where he does, he gets a reward. How come for like all of us who are working hard every day, we don't ever get anything. It's just kind of expected. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And so yeah. we had a whole conversation about, you know, well, what is fair, but you know, that is a good point. You know, you guys are working hard. So how can we recognize that in the classroom? And I appreciate, and I'm sure the kids appreciate that you, you know, kind of get down to the kids level instead of having this, you know, authority of I, this is how we do things. You have no say in this. You get to have a conversation with the kids and especially fifth grade. I think that's so important because yeah. they're starting to find their voice yeah. and they're starting to be able to, you know, have those type of adult like discussions and they should have a place where they can be able to talk about those feelings. And I think that's a great transition to talking about um, how classroom management can uh, benefit, you know, socio-emotional development. Yeah. I think, I think overall, um, you know, especially in the times we live in now with the online and with the, uh, you know, with the difference of education that we're having, you know, this, this, this last half of the school year, I think it's it's so important to build upon you know our socio emotional development with kids. Um, it, it, does that ring ring home to you with anything? Does that remind you of any stories you might have had with any students um, about how helping them you know manage inside the classroom has has also helped them you know with their socio emotional development? I mean, I want to say I think for me last year was probably my toughest year in having 
students um, just with problems both or problems outside the classroom that transferred inside the classroom. Um, and so for teachers, it's kind of hard because the stuff that happens outside isn't really in our control. Mm -hmm. um, yet it ends up bleeding into your class um, and just kind of, it affects the, the child. And so we kind of have to take this approach of how can we support these kids in the classroom with a situation that we really have no say over. Um, and so I think last year I've, I had to deal with a lot of that with students. And I mean, I had a student who, you know, parents were going through a really rough time, um, abusive parents. And so then the family split and, you know, she was a child in my class that never caused any problems. And all of a sudden there was just a shift in her behavior and her motivation to do well. She, she didn't care. Um, she just looked like the world was on her shoulders every single day. And so it was a matter of me really taking her aside and, and telling her that, you know, school is school and that's your place to be you. And that's the one place where at home you really, as a child, you don't have your control. You don't have your say. But in my classroom here, I'm here to support you and not your parents. I'm here for you. And so you tell me what you need in school to get your mind off of whatever's going on outside of this classroom right now. I know it's really hard to forget, but I'm here for you. And this is your one safe spot to just worry about being a kid and worry about, you know, I'm just trying to do me. And the moment we had that conversation, it was a big split for her of, I can come that's to great. school and forget everything that's going on outside and just be me. Now, sadly, it doesn't get rid of the problem. And so she still has to deal with it when she leaves my class and when she walks out of the school grounds. But at least for that moment, it was providing that sense of security and safety for her um, that I think was huge. Um, and I think that part is often overlooked because it is such a difficult, tricky area because there are so many things that go on outside of your classroom. Uh, but just being mindful of that and knowing that students do have things going on outside. You know, they're not just acting out. And which leads back to like, they're not acting out just because they want to. There's probably an underlying issue that you need to work to find. And I think those students are going to take those, you know, lessons that they've learned inside the classroom for the rest of their lives. They're going to remember, you know, how Miss Cho, you know, how Miss Cho treated them when they were in elementary school. And this is, this is what they learned from, from Miss Cho and, and, and everything that she had to teach them, which she might not have gotten at home. Um, so that's so important. I've always thought that in, you know, uh, obviously I'm in school right now. I'm, I'm, I'm making my way to become a teacher and I've always found it so important. The most important thing I think for, for being a teacher is, yeah, it's our job is to teach these students, um, to get them educated so that they can eventually go on and be adults. But at the same time, them eventually being adults, they have to learn so much more than just curriculum. Yeah. There are so many things that they need to learn and so many and, and lessons that hopefully a teacher is equipped to teach um, inside that classroom and having that socialization experiment with, you know, 30 other students and one teacher to guide everybody. So being that wind in the sails for students is so important. Um, 
especially, you know, when it comes to, you got to do it for 30 students, you know, you have to do it with so many kids and it can get so difficult and it can get taxing on a teacher, I could imagine. And I, I just think it's so important to make sure that, you know, not only teachers are just drilled with curriculum all the time, but at the same time drilled with, you, you know, we need to be humans, you know, we need to treat these kids, you know, like they're going to grow up and be running our future. Um, so I find that so, so important. And I feel like it, it also seems daunting almost in a sense that you have to support 30 students. Um, the, I think the part that I really focus on, it's I'm trying my best. Um, and there may be days where I do really well and I'm able to help the kid. And there are days where I think I'm doing my best and I look at the kid and I'm realizing like, shoot, I, I'm not reaching this kid today. But mm. the, the biggest thing is, I may not be reaching him today, but I'm still going to try again tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, like being like, it's okay to fail. If you fail at reaching a kid one day, like it's fine. They're in your room for the whole year. And so it's not just checking out the moment you fail, but using that one failure moment as like, okay, well it's okay. Let's re let's restart and, and try again tomorrow. I think we try to instill that in our kids uh, where it's like, it's okay. You had a bad day today. Well, we'll just restart tomorrow. But I think teachers sometimes, like as an adult, I forget that like I failed, it's okay, let me just try again tomorrow. I get really hard on myself. And so just kind of taking the lessons that you teach your kids and applying it to yourself also, I think is one thing that I've really learned throughout the years. Awesome. I, I, I think everything that you've said is, is great information for people to hear. Uh, Miss Cho, and ultimately I, I, I think that, you know, you're going to help a lot of kids. So thank you so much for having, you know, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having, you know, this chat with me and uh, keep, you know, good luck with online teaching. Thank I know you. It <laughs> sometimes, but um, best of luck with that. And thank you so much. Thank you for having me. <laughs>